Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Welcome to the Loveland Libcast. Today I am joined by special guest Jillian Coleman with Alternatives to Violence, and we're going to talk about Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Hi, Jillian. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So why don't we start with just some general introductions, wondering how long you've been in Colorado, how long you've been with Alternatives to Violence, what your role is. Just introduce yourselves to our listeners. Yeah, um, I have been in Colorado. I grew up in the Boulder area, um, so I've been here a long time, and I actually came up northern Colorado for college, and I've never left since, Um, and I've been with Alternative Surveillance actually since 2019. I started as a safe house case manager and was actually promoted in 2022, I believe, to the non-residential program manager, and I get to do outreach stuff now, which is really awesome. And I get to supervise a lot of our programs and help as many people as we can. So what was your role like as a case manager at the safe house? What did that, those duties entail? It was pretty hectic. We were pretty much, I was the touch point from intake into the safe house to exit into the safe house. So we, I'd work with folks for up to eight weeks and we would work on whatever their goals were at the time. So we are trauma-informed, which means if their goal at the time is to shower every day, that's totally fine. That's what we're going to work towards. But if their goal is also to, you know, get a job, find housing, get in touch with public benefits, things like that, then I would also help them with that. So now you're working a little bit more, I imagine, a supervisory role. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I oversee most of our programs, pretty much every program that is not the safe house itself. So we do have an outreach program that I do oversee. We also have some court accompaniment. We have a rapid rehousing program and just housing consultations that we can provide to victims. Lots of things like that, and a lot of community education stuff that I oversee and often conduct, which is really awesome. Yeah. So let's talk, we kind of fast forwarded a little bit. Let's talk about alternatives to violence. Tell me a little bit about what your mission is, you know, who you serve, how you serve them. Yeah. Our our mission is that we provide shelter, advocacy, education and resources for people impacted by domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. We also work with a lot of folks who experience roommate violence and familial violence and things like that. So it's not always the legal definition of domestic violence. We are luckily able to be pretty flexible with that and help different kinds of people in different situations that just feel unsafe to them, and we can help them find safety as best they can, whether that be help relocating out of state or help settling into this state when they've relocated from somewhere else, getting into emergency shelter. Those are, that's for folks in imminent danger situations. Our shelter is, we have nine beds or nine bedrooms right now, but we are hoping to do construction soon to up that a little bit and increase some bedrooms so that we can have a bigger, bigger capacity for people who need to be somewhere safe. 
We also do have a 24-hour crisis line that they can people can call and text into. We are, yeah, we're very reachable and we try to be as present in the community as possible. We do, we are based in Loveland, but we do help anyone from anywhere as much as we can. Do you know how long Alternatives to Violence has been in Loveland? Yeah, we were actually founded in 1982 by two women. We were at that time known as the Battered Women's Task Force. Uh, the goal at the time was just so that Loveland women needing services um, like this, they just don't have to leave the area, was kind of the main goal at the time. And then at 19, in 1989, we actually became Alternatives to Violence. And since then, we've worked with victims and survivors across the country. In 2016 is when we moved to our current location. We also opened our safe house at that point. Do you primarily serve women? Primarily, that being said, we can serve all genders. Men are definitely victims of domestic violence, as well as transgender and non-binary folks as well. We're very lucky that we can, we don't have to be restricted in, in that area. And we definitely help anyone that we can, anyone who is in need of help. You mentioned that Alternatives to Violence serves roommates that are experiencing violence and familial violence. And is that unusual for an organization? It is a little bit. Most organizations just for funding reasons, have to be pretty restricted in who they serve, and they typically have to follow the legal definition of what domestic violence is, which is it has to be between intimate partners. So we are very lucky with our founders that we don't have those restrictions, and we can work with different kinds of victims in different kinds of situations, which is super helpful because a lot of those folks don't have many other options. Do your residential services house families as well, children? We do. Yeah, actually, in, in 2022, we housed 148 children. That house gets very loud sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. But <laughs> it keeps it exciting. We have, um, we have youth advocates and a youth program that try to make it as fun as possible. Uh, we have, like, you know, fun activities. We'll have water fights on the weekends, things like that. Stand planted a garden the other day, little things like that, that we try to make it as, as welcoming as possible. We also have a little computer room for teenagers, especially because, uh, yeah, teens just don't, don't like any changes if it's not, you know, on their clock. So we try to make it as, as homey as possible for everybody. Do you find yourself missing working as a case manager in this new role? Are parts of it? That's a very good question. I do sometimes, yes. <laughs> I I sometimes get, you know, I will have a client that I just melts my heart a little extra for whatever reason, and I, I do have other duties. There's a reason I don't work with clients because I'm a little too busy too now, but I definitely get some that reach my heart a little extra, and I do miss having that one-on-one -on -one time with clients, but I try to think of it now that as a program manager, I'm kind of indirectly helping more people than I used to be able to. Yeah, definitely. So that's maybe a good transition to thinking about outreach, thinking about larger programs. We are coming up on Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and probably by the time this gets published, we will be in Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is October. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what Domestic Violence Awareness Month, what that's all about, and maybe what events Alternatives to Violence has done in the past, or if there's anything coming up? 
Yeah, definitely. October has officially been Domestic Violence Awareness Month since 1989. We use it as an opportunity to spread education and awareness a little extra during those months. We definitely still do things for the rest of the year, lots of events and stuff. We're actually just on the heels of a very successful Pastels on 5th. This year was awesome. And that's our biggest event, definitely. But we do try to just kind of spread education and awareness a lot is our main focus during October. For example, we in the past, we have done like panel discussions and Q&As in the community just to raise awareness and just educate our community and that this is a problem. It's an invisible problem, but it is there. And this year, we're actually trying to make a lot of different smaller efforts versus one big one. So we don't have any one big event this year, but we are posting our information and signs for ATV in different restrooms around town, like bars and restaurants. We're trying to get our information in front of the people who might need it. If anyone out there does own a bar or restaurant and you would like some ATV information, please do give us a call. I would be happy to drop some stuff off. We're also getting some donation boxes around town that are hopefully just going to raise awareness. We really just want people to know that we are here if they need us. Obviously, we hope that no one will ever need us, but when they do, we want them to know that there's options and there's people out there who will help them out. You mentioned that this is a that domestic violence can be an invisible problem in a community. What do you mean by that and uh, how can people be more attuned to things going on in their community or in um, family members or friends? Yeah, when I started this job, I actually, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a hidden passion for domestic violence like a lot of my coworkers do. I really just fell in love with it in the job when I realized how many crisis calls I answered and how many people are dealing with these kinds of problems that I just didn't know. I didn't know that in my own community, so many people were struggling with feeling unsafe and being in dangerous situations. And that's really where my passion to it came. And that's really why I think it is kind of an invisible problem. It's not really common knowledge that, you know, one in every four houses in your neighborhood are probably experiencing domestic violence. We as an agency, we give a lot of business trainings for how to recognize domestic violence in, you know, clientele, in people you work with, also just in staff members and how to safety plan around that. We, yeah, we give a lot of trainings. Anyone who's interested in volunteering, we have a, a lot of great volunteer opportunities all listed on our website, alternativestoviolence.org. You can always do different ways to get involved and keep up to date on you know, our latest events and things like that. One in four is a pretty striking statistic. I'm surprised. I'm surprised by that. Um, yeah. The one other statistic that usually surprises people is that it takes on average about seven to nine tries to successfully leave an abusive relationship. So when people, you know, ask, well, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? It's really not that simple. Even when you just leave, it's not just magically over and now you're safe and fine. Most abusers, you know, it actually gets more dangerous after you leave. So a lot of people just find, you know, they don't have options. People have isolated them. 
they don't have other places to go or other income, so they have to go back for whatever reason. That always surprises people, and that surprised me when I learned it, just to know that, oh, it's not that simple. It really is. It's difficult. It's hard for people to get out of those situations. Have alternatives to violence or perhaps the domestic violence you know, community, um, support community in the country noticed anything, an uptick because of the pandemic? That's a very good question. It definitely had a very large impact in domestic violence. Obviously, during the stay-at-home order, you know, imagine if home is not a safe place to be staying. And during that time, shelters were not able to take in new clients. So people, even if they could get out of their dangerous situations, they didn't have many options of where else to go. Especially during 2020, it was extremely difficult for victims of domestic violence. I can imagine that that would be a difficult time and probably has lingering impacts still. So one event that we haven't talked about for, I don't know if it's an event, perhaps, but it's one of, you know, one of these smaller outreach things that you're, you were talking about that you're doing during Domestic Violence Awareness Month is a display at the Loveland Public Library. Do you know more about that and want to talk a little bit about that display? Yeah, absolutely. We are very grateful to the Loveland Library to give us just a different avenue um, to reach a different audience. We will have a, a book display in the Loveland Library. It will have um, fiction, nonfiction books, and they'll all be somewhat related to domestic violence. We will also have, while you're stopping by to check out those books, we will also have a display case, um, and that'll be kind of towards the um, east staircase, kind of between the adult section and teen section. That will have a lot of client stories in there, a lot of local statistics. We'll have an artistic display of kind of what would be good ideas to put into a go bag if you're thinking of leaving a dangerous situation what you might want to think about bringing with you to plan for that. And lots of purple ribbons. I do anticipate a lot of purple ribbons. So um, yeah, please come by and, and pick up a book, educate yourself. We have a long list of books that will be, you know, rotated in and out as needed. So yeah, again, it's just a good way to educate yourself on the different ways that domestic violence can look. Thinking about that display being near the teen section, I spoke with a colleague of yours about how domestic violence looks differently when with teen relationships and how it sort of habits and behaviors can sort of start when um, people are young and but they look quite different. And I know that I think February is a Teen dating, dating Violence Month yeah. or something like that. Yeah, Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a well, mouthful. But. Yeah. <laughs> but do you want to talk a little bit about what are some things, how that looks different for teens and if there are parents listening, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. It does start early and it starts by example a lot of time if folks have an abusive situation at home going on with their parents or caregivers, they might not realize that they're picking up on those behaviors, but definitely 
um, met some young people who are definitely little mirrors of their parents. And so what that means is that they do sometimes get into romantic relationships early on and that they're still learning how to navigate that and what that'll look like because they're young. They think, oh, I'll just, you know, do what I've seen before, which is sometimes controlling or isolating your partner or, you know, trying to manipulate them and gaslight them into certain things, trying to pressure them maybe into things that they don't necessarily want to do. And it's especially scary on the other side of it as a potential victim in that situation, being so young and not being able to, or not knowing to when to speak out and thinking, oh, maybe this is normal. We are trying to get into Thompson Valley School District to hopefully educate some kids on how to recognize those kinds of red flags and how what a healthy relationship should look like and kind of making sure that they know that there are still resources out there for them too in those situations. And even if their home situation is not safe, that there are help is help in that realm as well. So it's definitely, it's kind of a scary topic that I know a lot of parents don't really want to think about, but opening that conversation up so that kids know to ask questions of, is this safe? Is this healthy? Is this normal? Because it might not be, and that, that might be keeping them safe in the long run. Going off of that, if somebody was in need of support, how do they reach ATV? What can, who can they contact? How can they get get in touch? Yeah, thank you for asking. We are very contactable. Um, we do have, we have a new website, alternativestoviolence.org, where people can submit emergency submissions, and that goes to um, all the managers on staff here, and we then disperse it to the best person that would be to contact them back. We also are, we have a text line that's 24-7. That's, that number is 970-669-5157. That's for texting. And then we do have 24-hour call line as well, which is 970-669-5150. Um, so we try to make it as easy to contact us as possible, even if, say, you know, you're in a place where you cannot make a phone call for help. Um, then we do have those silent options of reaching out if needed. You can also just walk into our office. We're at 541 East 8th Street. We take walk-ins. We're open um, 9 to 4 every weekday. But yeah, we try to be as, as contactable as possible for anyone who, who might need us. Great. And I'll put all of those numbers and links in the show notes for this episode so that you don't have to have memorized them from Jillian saying them. You can just look down in the description and see them. Do you have any recommendations for um, media related to domestic violence awareness? I do. Um, I'll save the books, but I, I always recommend um, the Netflix show Made as well. Made? Is, yes, Made, M-A-I-D. Um, it is a short series about a woman leaving a domestic violence situation. And I was very nervous about it when it came out because I was nervous that it would not be accurate and it would um, give the wrong impression of what that situation looks like. But I watched it and it was actually very well done. A lot of little details that they, they documented really accurately. So I would always recommend that. But for the readers, I know we got a lot of them here. 
the book Black and Blue, I know it's kind of an older one by Anna Quinlan. I might be saying that wrong, but that's a great book to show kind of what it's like to escape a dangerous situation and kind of start over and keep kind of having that feeling of looking over your shoulder. All that's, you know, very accurate. We also always recommend the book, Why Does He Do That? by Lundy Bancroft. Just a good way to understand kind of where abusers are coming from in those situations and kind of better understand exactly the motives and potentially how to stay safe in those situations. So those are those are two ones that I would definitely recommend. Thanks. Yeah. And I'm sure that those will be on our book display. They will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That will also be full of a lot of other great options as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jillian, for chatting with me um, about this important month and important work that you do for our community. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And again, if anyone you know wants to partner with us or needs help, please do reach out. Um, we'd be happy to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, so before we go, we always like to ask if you have a book or film suggestion, and it can be about anything. It can be light it can be fun um do you are have you read anything recently or watched anything recently that you'd like to suggest to listeners i is yeah it's not related to this topic but i do <laughs> one of my favorite recent books is actually um the lost causes of bleak creek um that is by rhett mclaughlin and link neal they actually have a youtube show that i love um but it's like kind of a funny mystery that it's easy to it's easy to get lost in. I love those books that first page you're stuck and you have to finish it. Uh, it's definitely it was definitely one of those for me. So if you're looking for one of those, Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. Nice. Yeah, I haven't heard that heard of that, but I'll I'll look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I just read Daisy Jones and the Six, um, by Taylor Jenkins mm-hmm. Reid. And it got a slightly mixed review from the book club that I read it for, but I listened to part of the audiobook, and the whole book is written like an oral history. So the audiobook is actually very, very cool. So if you listen to audiobooks, it's like produced by a whole cast. I don't know, there's probably like 30 cast members that are in the audiobook, and it's a really great way to experience the book. So. That's that's my suggestion for 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 you. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that one out. That sounds good. Great. Well, thank you so much again, Jillian, and um, I hope everybody listening checks out our display and stops by the library and just puts alternatives to violence in their back pocket if they need it or somebody needs it um, that they know of this important resource we have in our community. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here today. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thanks for chatting. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.